Good afternoon. You are listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and via podcast on Spotify and iTunes. Brought to you by our news team, Alexandra Fernandez, Chancellor Miracle, Chris Laurie, Zayden Vergara, Dinah Jansen, Cindy Gibson, Erica Singh, Alex LaRue, and me, Kareem Mosna. Here's today's local news rundown. On Friday evening, a rally was held in solidarity with unhoused residents living in the encampment next to the integrated care hub. The rally was organized by ICH encampment residents with the help of mutual aid Kingston Kataraqui, citing fear that a large-scale eviction could happen at virtually any moment. Since the encampment protocol was reinstated, individuals and small collections of tents have been pushed off public property by bylaw officers. However, the city's largest encampment, filled with mostly clients of the ICH, looks to have as many occupants as ever. In a petition that has since garnered nearly 800 signatures, Mutual Aid Kingston Cataraqui says smaller encampments have been evicted throughout the summer, and the city of Kingston has a historical precedent of breaking up larger encampments in the fall. The petition shares a letter attributed to ICH residents who believe they should be able to stay in place next to the services offered by the ACH. Mutual Aid's Saida Jaffer said to the crowd at the demonstration, We need to insist that public space in Kingston is for everyone, for people who don't have much private space to themselves at all. I asked all of us who have come here in solidarity to work on having those difficult conversations with your friends, neighbors, co-workers, about public space and how we can share it and support people in getting over the fear and misconceptions about people who are on the street, and to challenge ourselves to understand the difference between being uncomfortable and actually being unsafe. Residents and supporters have been concerned by comments made by Director of Housing and Social Services with the City of Kingston, Ruth Nordegraff, saying that while there is no firm deadline, the city has a responsibility to enforce the encampment protocol. The city has highlighted an additional five sleeping cabins in progress toward the opening of a shelter operated by Don House, but that will still fall short of the expanded shelter space and 54 additional transitional supportive housing options that the city had committed to by the fall of this year. Mutual aid and encampment residents have asked for support by signing and sharing this petition, as well as by donating supplies and funds through mutual aid. This story courtesy of Owen Fullerton, local journalism initiative reporter with YGK News. Local digital automotive marketplace startup Vendi is partnering with Loyalist Collegiate and Vocational Institute to support the relaunch of the high school's automotive tech program. Vendi co-founder and consulting partner Zerman Khan says there's massive shortage in labor-intensive environments, but specifically for auto technicians. It's a great opportunity for them to further that learning education and for us to be able to provide some support toward that initiative. Blake McGinnis, Vendi Media Lead, says this was a passion project for him. This has been kind of a dream of mine to help these auto shops, especially when I heard LC had reopened. They didn't have a car to work on. It's like a woodshop teacher without wood. We just happened to have this car coming in and we definitely hope it turns into something bigger. LCVI brought Mr. Oren Spearman, a retired teacher from Ottawa, in to teach the class. The car the students will be working on is a 2012 Nissan Altima. Blake McGinnis says Vendi hopes to be able to expand this opportunity to other programs across the Limestone District School Board. Additionally, Vendi has plans to expand into Ottawa by the beginning of November. McGinnis says we're going to plan citywide outreach any way we can between here and Ottawa, which is why we reached out to the LDSB to get a blanket policy for all schools in the school board. 
Zerman Khan says the startup plans to expand to even bigger cities, including Toronto and even further. We're really looking at taking this platform national and beyond. The platform is designed to be functional in just about any marketplace. There's nothing like it in the marketplace right now. And we're excited to be the first ones to be able to deliver this kind of community marketplace to bridge gaps between sellers and buyers and really put them in the driver's seat. Vendi officially launched in Kingston at the beginning of August. The platform allows anybody to facilitate vehicle purchases and sales with the support of the agency and their licensed dealers. A Coal Maple Elementary School's Advisory Council is hosting a trustee candidate discussion tonight at 6 o'clock at 529 St. Martha's Street here in Kingston. This is an opportunity for candidates from Kingstown, Pittsburgh, and Frontenac Islands and Countryside, Kingscourt, Rideau, and Williamsville to share their views and platform. The evening will feature pre-selected questions from the community with an opportunity to submit questions from the floor. If you wish to submit a question, please email acolmaplecouncil at gmail.com. The successful candidates will hold their seat until 2026. or TTO, has launched a mentor apprentice program helping connect young learners with a first language role model to better facilitate language transmission in the community. TTO Executive Director Kaylee Hill said during an interview at the Centre that less than 2% of the population on the Mohawk Reserve west of Kingston can speak fluently in their mother tongue. She said, I think it's growing. People are at different levels of proficiency. In the past, it has been less than 1%. The on-reserve population is around 2,200, so that's probably about 20 people. This is funded by the Tiendinaga Mohawk Council in collaboration with the University of Toronto. The program will see five apprentices take on a 30-week program designed to move them a level higher in their Mohawk language proficiency as measured by the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages standard. Each week features 32 hours of planned activities and self-directed learning components. Hill said the apprentices for the program were hand-picked. It was by invitation only. They were all graduates of a two-year immersive intense program already at an intermediate high to advance low level of proficiency on the scale. Some of them actually work for organizations who have been involved in working and helping the community to grow our language as a living language. The project is being led by an advisory council consisting of advanced and superior level speakers and educators with PhDs and master's degrees in education and indigenous language revitalization. Hill said the decline in indigenous Canadians speaking their mother tongue has been sharp. It's different in every community. Here in our community, I think the things that we identify that have added to our language decline is probably the Indian Act and the day school and residential schools started. I often think about the invention of radio. You're getting English pumped into all the homes. Hill said that trend is slowly starting to be reversed. When I started doing language work, and I've been doing it for 18 years now, there was hardly any funding anywhere for anybody to help you do anything. And if it was, it was a project base, which a lot of it is. But over the last few years, after the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report has come out, more money and more pots of money are available. And I think the government is finally seeing what has to be done realistically to save the languages. It's not going to be a six-week program. It's a lifelong thing that we all have to contribute to make it work. The Mentor Apprentice Program is taking place at TTO Language and Cultural Center on York Road beneath the library. Hill said ideally it would be in a house, it would be a more natural environment where they could be going to the stove, making tea, or just doing things that you do in a house. That would be the ideal location for this program, really, and I'm working on that. TTO's future goal is to deliver a full-time adult immersion program in September 2023. 
And that's your local news rundown. I'm Kareem Mosnat. You're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM. Now it's over to Cindy Gibson with this week's Local Artist to Watch. This is Cindy from the Indie Wake Up Call with this week's Artist to Watch. I'm pretty excited to talk about a full album release from a young local artist known as Almond Milk. He is currently in grade 12, and up to now, we've watched him on SoundCloud uploading songs. But last week, he dropped a full-length album on us called Gilgamesh. He stopped into the Indie Wake Up Call to talk about making this record. And so I sat down and I started writing an album first, but I, I decided that's not going to work. Like, I can't, like, really write songs. Like, that's not my process. I can't really write a song and then make it. I have to make the song and then write the lyrics. Okay. That's how I do it. So okay. what I ended up doing is I just made a ton of songs, like a crazy amount, and then I chose the ones that best fit the story, basically. And I named it after the story of Gilgamesh. Are, like, are you familiar with that I am story? not. It's, it's one of the oldest stories in the world. It's, um, it's about this king who again, has this crazy ambition. They want to search for, like, immortality. And so they go on this crazy journey, uh, and they're ignoring all these, like, positive things around them because they're like, I need to keep pushing forward. I need to keep, I need to keep searching for immortality. That's all I care about. And in the end, they can't have it. Like, they can't have it. And so they break down. And, but at the end, they realize, I don't need to live forever. I can live forever through my actions. And the positive actions I have on people will live on forever. Okay, so sonically, there's a lot happening on this album from beginning to end. I suggest, before that you check it out, you clear your schedule and put on your best headphones to experience Gilgamesh from Kingston's Almond Milk. The first single is called Lousy Lifeguard. This has been Cindy from the Indie Wake Up Call. I will be back next week with another local artist to watch. Thanks very much for that, Cindy. Now we got some campus news for you here on Today in YGK. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Campus Corner, the number one spot for your campus news roundup. I'm Zayden Vergara, and here are your campus news headlines. As a fellow student, I know how stressful it can be to worry about what comes after university. Luckily, Career Services provides support to undergraduate students, graduate students, and recent alumni from all disciplines. This Wednesday, October 19th, Career Services is hosting the Queen's University Engineering and Technology Fair and welcomes all students to come and explore career options, internships, and full-time postings in engineering and technology fields. No sign-up is required. The event will be running from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. in Mitchell Hall. As homecoming approaches, bylaw enforcement and Kingston Police are reminding post-secondary community members to stay safe, respect your neighbours, and avoid large gatherings. Kingston Police are aware of an unsanctioned event that has been planned for the weekend of October 22nd and will work alongside other law enforcement partners to maintain a highly visible presence in the University District and any other areas where nuisance party behavior may occur. If you just so happen to be in the area of a nuisance party or were hosting a small get-together that just got out of hand, just be aware that you can be fined for both attending and hosting unsanctioned events. So over the upcoming weekends, be sure to be safe and aware of your surroundings. Now over to Erica, continuing with more campus news headlines. Thank you, Zayden. Here are some more headlines for this week. ResSoc, the resident student government, is hosting their first giveaway of the year. To win a tricolor outlet gift card, follow at QueensResSoc on Instagram and tag three friends in the comments of their Instagram post. 
This giveaway closes Sunday, October 23rd at 6 p.m. Good luck! The SGPS is meeting tomorrow for their annual general meeting. The Zoom link for the hybrid meeting will be provided to all members of the SGPS mailing list tomorrow. The meeting will cover topics and concerns sent in by the SGPS community. The Queen's General Bursary Application is due on October 31. This is a non-repayable grant available to students in all years of study who have a demonstrated financial need. You can access the bursary application through your Solus account. The AMS Food Bank, located in room 105 of the Rideau Building, 207 Stewart Street, is resuming operations from today. The Food Bank previously closed over Reading Week. The AMS Food Bank serves confidential and non-judgmental food service to members of the Queen's community. Visit amsfoodbank.ca for more information or to donate to the cause. That's all the headlines for today. Now over to Dinah Jansen with information about Dark Matter Day. Thanks so much. In this segment, we're chatting with Dr. Katie Back, Hawking Chair in Cosmology and Science Communication at the Perimeter Institute in Waterloo, and Professor Ken Clark of the Arthur B. MacDonald Institute of Canadian Astroparticle Physics Research here at Queen's University about their upcoming presentations on Dark Matter Day on Wednesday, October 26th. Welcome, Ken and Katie. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So before diving into Dark Matter Day, tell us a little bit about yourselves and your areas of research. Sure. Yeah. So I am, as you said, I'm a professor here at Queen's University. Uh, and the research that I do primarily is looking for dark matter, which is uh, a great area of research because nobody really knows that much about it yet. So everything we find is new and exciting. Uh, so my primary role is I'm, I'm really interested in building the detectors that actually look for these things. So there are other people. I mean, you mentioned uh, Dr. Katie Mack, who will be also speaking at the event. They tell us what we should be looking for, and then hopefully I can come in and build something that might be able to actually find it. Katie. Yeah, so I study dark matter primarily. Um, so dark matter is some mysterious stuff that seems to make up most of the matter in the universe. Uh, we don't know what it is, but we have a lot of good ideas um, about what it's doing in the universe, and we can learn a lot about it. So at the Dark Matter uh, event, I will be talking about how we know it's there um, and what it might be doing to things out in the cosmos. Thank you both so much for sharing. So what can attendees expect to learn more about at your upcoming talk on Dark Matter Day? Well, I hope that they'll understand that dark matter is a really important aspect of our universe and one that's a very big mystery in in terms of, you know, it's it's most of the matter in the universe, so it's really important for cosmology, but it's also really important for particle physics. And the the reason for that is that it's probably some kind of new particle that we've never detected before. And if we can figure out what that is, that can be the key to having a better understanding of physics in general, you know, something to move us beyond our standard model of particle physics toward something uh, more complete, perhaps. So <laughs> it's a really exciting area to work in, and I'm uh, really happy to be sharing the wonders of dark matter with the world. And Ken. Yes. So this is one of this exciting event that happens every year. Uh, I've been involved with it a, a couple of times before, where we really kind of turn the focus to looking at dark matter and seeing what's going on kind of in the in the world and how people are how, how well we're doing it trying to find it. 
so what people can expect is um, they will be able to come in and then there will be a talk to start about why we think dark matter is out there, why we're pretty sure that there's something that we just have no idea about. And then I will come in and, and give a talk about all of the really cool machines that we are building to try to find it. And basically a talk about how do you look for something that you know so little about. So that's, that's kind of what uh, people can expect. There will be, I believe, interactive sessions where people can ask questions. And then there will kind of end off with um, a discussion of Snow Lab specifically and how Snow Lab figures into this whole picture and why we have this fantastic facility in Canada that lets us do a lot of the research that we're actually doing. Amazing. Thanks so much. I wonder if either of you have any words of advice for students now thinking about a career in, in physics, astrophysics, cosmology, and more. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think the advice that I always give is to follow your interest. When I was doing my undergrad, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I wanted to understand things and understand how things work. And, and I knew that. But I, I took a, a lot of paths that didn't really work out. But once I found something that was really interesting to me, all of a sudden, everything became easier. You know, it wasn't really work anymore. I was pursuing things for my own interest. And it, I think that's the key. As long as you're in a field in which you have some interest, it will be, you will be gold. You will keep going. And now over to Katie. Um, well, I mean, I think that uh, there's there's a lot of really fascinating places to go with a physics degree. So even if you're not certain you want to get into research, studying physics, studying astrophysics, uh, that's a really great springboard for a lot of different directions you might go in your life. If you are really passionate about physics and astrophysics, um, you know, just explore what you're excited about. Uh, don't be don't be too scared off by the idea that it might be hard. It's hard for all of us. We we work through it. Um, but uh, but there's so much amazing stuff to learn out there. Amazing. Thank you both so much. Uh, we've been joined by Professor Ken Clark of the Arthur B. Macdonald Institute of Canadian Astroparticle Physics Research here at Queen's University, alongside Dr. Katie Mack, the Hawking Chair in Cosmology and Science Communication at the Perimeter Institute in Waterloo, who are both making presentations on Dark Matter Day on Wednesday, October 26th at Sterling Hall, starting at 7.30. Registration information is found at mcdonaldinstitute.ca. And now over to Chris and Chancellor with more in community news. This is Chris, and today I'm sitting down with Heather Poachman to talk about their upcoming community arts project, Sounding Board, a community conversation. So to get us started, would you like to introduce yourself and a bit of your background as an artist? My name is Heather Peckman. I am a community artist in Kingston. I have created sort of my own art practice where I collaborate with organizations and groups often with a focus on social justice uh, to create art specific workshops uh, and create creative spaces throughout Kingston. Uh, I also have an art practice uh, where I teach courses at the Kingston School of Art. Awesome, yeah, and the project we're talking about today is Sounding Board, a community conversation. Yes. So did you want to get into that a bit, like how it got started and where you're at now? Yeah, so Sounding Board, a community conversation is a interactive art installation that will be created, co-created with myself, uh, along with emerging uh, musicians, photographers, poets, and storytellers in Kingston. We just finished our open call for submissions, so uh, we've got a great crop of artists that I'm really excited to work with, and together... Uh, we will create this art installation that will be interactive 
and it will be on display beginning at the Kingston School of Art. Uh, opening exhibit is December 9th. It will then travel around Kingston to different locations including the Tet Center, uh, Taiwanon Creativity Bar in the West End, and Keys Job Center uh, downtown at their new location. And this is a piece that requires public interaction. Uh, so there will be a lot of prompts, uh, a lot of different ways that people can post, whether it's uh, their photos or drawings or poems that they themselves have written, uh, and they can attach it directly to the mural itself. So as uh, sounding board travels throughout Kingston, it will gather contributions from the community. And in May of 2023, when it finishes its travels, it will then be on display again at the Kingston School of Art, where we will have the original artwork on display, uh, as well as a collection of all of the stories and contributions and conversations that it's uh, generated throughout Kingston. All of the contributions from the public uh, will be on display then as well. Yeah, nice. And it sounds like you have a lot of artists with like a lot of different mediums. And do you know like around how many artists? are going to be involved with myself included together there will be about nine of us all together we've created uh yeah a group of poets photographers musicians and storytellers when did you say this was going to be on display so beginning december 9th of this year uh that will be our opening uh exhibition date so the public is welcome to come we will have the original uh, artwork on display uh, and it will be available for people to begin interacting with it. It will be on display for the month of December then at the Kingston School of Art Window Art Gallery. Uh, it will then move to different locations throughout Kingston including Taiwanon Creativity Bar, uh, the Tet Center for Creativity and Learning and Keys Job Center before returning to the Kingston School of Art for May of 2023 for its final exhibition where it will be on display uh, with the original artwork alongside all of the contributions from the community. Awesome. So lots of time for people to catch this project. Yeah. And yeah, that's fantastic. So mm -hmm. that was all the questions I had for you today. Yeah. So thanks for sitting down with me and telling everyone about your project. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Awesome. And Sounding Board, a community conversation arts project is in need of donations. So you can make a tax-deductible donation to Sounding Board today at rubyartist.com slash soundingboard. And be sure to write Sounding Board as the reason for your donation. And next up is some updates with our sports desk. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. I'm Alex Fernandez, and I'm coming to you this week from CFRC's sports desk. To start off the sports news for this week, the Queen's Gales had a very exciting weekend of sports with the men's baseball team winning the OUA championships after they beat the Toronto Varsity Blues 13-11. To add on to this, both the Gales soccer teams, men and women's, came through this weekend undefeated. The men's rugby team continued their undefeated streak with their win over the Guelph Griffins with a final score of 29-12. Queen's Gales football team beat the McMaster Marauders 14-10 with the Gales being able to pull through with the comeback as the McMaster Marauders were up 10-5 to in the third quarter. In local sports news, the Kingston Frontenacs beat the Guelph Storm 6-1 last Saturday at home. Later this week, the Frontenacs will have back-to-back -back games against the Peterborough Peets, with the game Thursday night on the road and Friday night at the Leon Centre at 7pm. 
Also in local sports, Nick Kamink, who is a self-employed carpenter, is looking for financial support to help him represent Canada at the World Skate Games. He'll be competing in the downhill and street luge events that are taking place October 24th to the 13th of November in San Juan. He has created a GoFundMe campaign to hopefully raise $2,500 to help offset traveling expenses for the trip. That's all for today, and now on to Dinah for the weather report. Thank you so much. And now it's time for the CFRC weather report. We're expecting partly cloudy skies tonight with a 30% chance of showers with a low of 6. Tuesday, October 18th, we'll see cloudy skies with a 70% chance of showers in the morning. Winds southwest at 30 kilometers an hour, gusting to 50 and a high of 9. Tuesday night, we'll see cloudy skies with a 30% chance of showers and a low of 7. And the outlook for Wednesday is showers with a high of 8. And Wednesday night, cloudy with a 70% chance of showers and a low plus 5. And now over to Alexander Fernandez with the City of Kingston Traffic Report. Thank you so much. I'm Alexandra Fernandez and I'm bringing you this week's City of Kingston traffic report. Lower Brewer Swing Bridge is closed until further notice. Stephen Street from Montreal to Patrick is closed until October 31st, as well as Stephen Street from Patrick to Cowdy. University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until January 21st, 2023. Wright Crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace will be closed until January 31st, 2023. The School Streets Initiative is still in action and will be until June 29, 2023. The following roads are closed from 8.40 to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 to 3.50 p.m. McDonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. Third crossing road work on Highway 15 at Gore is still taking place. At John Counter Boulevard from Montreal Street to Ascot, above ground electrical work is taking place at the intersection of Ascot and John Counter Boulevard. In the case that a lane needs to be closed for construction, proper flagging will be in place to direct traffic, but otherwise both lanes will be open. Signage work is taking place along John Counter Boulevard. Landscapers are also continuing topsoil along John Counter Boulevard and Ring Road. In the case that a lane needs to be closed, again, proper flagging will be in place, otherwise both lanes will be open. Line painting will occur throughout this week, weather dependent. In the case that the lane needs to be closed for construction, proper flagging will be in place to direct traffic, otherwise both lanes will be open. Lanes on John Counter will be delineated with traffic barrels until the road paintings and markings have been complete. In Water Rock Causeway, removal will continue. There will be an increase in dump traffic on the west side until completion in December due to this. Access from John Counter to Village on the River Apartments is currently shut down. Residents are notified to use their Montreal Street access during this temporary closure. Pedestrians will be able to use the temporary access path north of John Counter Boulevard, which will be maintained at all times. On Highway 15 at Gore Road, line painting will occur throughout the week, which may result in a lane that needs to be closed, but otherwise both lanes are open. Traffic signals at the intersection of Point St. Mark and Gore Road will be operational in December 2022, and access through the south leg of Point St. Mark at Gore Road remains closed until December 2022. Access to the library parking lot has been moved to the new entrance at Point St. Mark. Access to the Pittsburgh library parking lot will be maintained at all times. And the cycling and pedestrian signals have been activated to assist cyclists and pedestrians in crossing the road at Gore Road and Highway 15. That's your weekly traffic report. Thank you so much. And we're going to throw it over to Dinah for our events calendar for the week. Thanks so much, Alex. And now it's time for the CFRC events calendar brought to you by queensevents.ca. 
Backed by popular demand, Juno nominated Indigenous cellist Chris Dirksen is coming back to Kingston after their Skeleton Park Arts Festival performance this summer. See her live at the Isabel on Tuesday, October 18th. You can get tickets at queensu.ca slash the Isabel. The Queen's School of Policy Studies is hosting a talk by Warren Maybe called Fires, Floods and the New Normal of Climate Change, ranking Canada's response on Thursday, October 20th at 12 p.m. in the Robert Sutherland Hall in Room 202 on Queen's campus. It's a free public lecture. Thursday evening, October 20th, starting at 7 o'clock, the Modern Fuel Artist Run Centre is hosting their 45th anniversary celebration, complete with live jazz music by Savannah Shea, a silent auction, a 50-50 draw, and hors d'oeuvres at the Malting Tower at the Tet Centre. RSVP via modernfuel.org. The Black Studies Program at Queen's University invites you to attend their celebration of the launch of their program this Friday at the Agnes Etherington Arts Centre starting at 5.30. The event includes a poetry reading, the premiere of a short film, a DJ set, and a conversation between Stephanie Simpson, Beverly Mullings, Kristen Mariah, and Rachel Goff about the past, present, and future of Black Studies at Queen's. Learn more at queensevents.ca and on the Queen's Gender Studies website. Starting this Friday night, the Rocky Horror Picture Show returns to the screening room for a series of showings. Get your tickets for this before they sell out and learn more about the screening room's showings at screeningroomkingston.com. And coming up on Friday, October 21st, psych-infused art pop band by Divine Right returns to the mansion for the first show in town since the pandemic, and tickets are available online at kppconcerts.com. And that's a wrap for today's event calendar brought to you by queensevents.ca and a wrap for our program today. Tune into The Scoop on Wednesday afternoon for more in local and campus news, and don't forget to subscribe to the Today in YGK and Scoop podcasts. From all of us on the CFRC News team, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.